I'd like to invite you this evening to turn with me in God's Word to the book of Malachi. Continuing in our study, our Advent series, the precursors to Advent, we'll consider the the prophet Malachi's fourth speech to God's people in that day, his fourth speech under the heading of the Messenger of the Covenant from Malachi 2, beginning in verse 17, and we'll read through verse 6 of chapter 3. Then afterwards, I didn't make it into the bulletin, I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Luke 2 for a second scripture reading. But first, let's give our attention to Malachi chapter 2, beginning with verse 17. You have wearied the Lord with your words, but you say, how have we wearied him? By saying, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them, or by asking, Where is the God of justice? Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like a fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner. And do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Now let's turn to our second scripture reading this evening. Didn't make it into the bulletin, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Beginning in verse 25 through 35. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Luke 2, verse 25 says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And when he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in this child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your, first, your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what had been said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Here ends the reading of God's word this evening. May we 
receive it with a believing heart. Well, blessed congregation, on the night when of Christ's birth, when the angels lit up the sky and proclaimed glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased, the angels are revealing one of the core truths of our Christian faith. How God can be a just God and how He can also be a friend of sinners. And the answer to this dilemma is found in the manger. Think about it this evening. How can a God who is all glorious, as the angels say, how can a God who is all holy, even to the highest of heavens, forgive the guilty and still be just and holy? How can we say this evening, even though we are sinners, God is pleased with me? Malachi's answer to this question this evening is that God is both the just and the justifier. He is both glorious in the highest of heavens and bringing peace among those whom He is pleased with in the messenger of the covenant. The messenger of the covenant. This is God's representative. This is God's emissary. This is God's king, who is himself the Lord. And in the advent of Jesus, we see both God's holy justice and we see God's marvelous grace. In Jesus, the just God comes down to be the Lamb of God lay his life down for his people. Now boys and girls, this evening you might say, Pastor London made a mistake. He started reading at the end of chapter 2, not the beginning of chapter 3. Well boys and girls, that is no mistake. This is actually the start of Malachi's fourth speech at verse 17 of chapter 2. When they say everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord and he delights in them, or by asking where is the God of justice, we see that they too are dealing with this question. They're trying to understand how does evil in this world make sense with a God who is so holy and is so good. In verse 17, they're asking, does God bless evil? If he doesn't bless evil, why doesn't he intervene? And why do the wicked seem to be so blessed while we, the righteous, seem to suffer? But notice how beautiful of an Advent passage this is. That one day soon, God will send a messenger who will prepare the way for the king himself And the king will come, and he will remove all evil. And sinful man and holy God will be at peace again. 
But then he also tells them to get ready for the second advent. That Jesus is soon coming again. And that he will not just remove the evil of his people's hearts, but he will also remove evil from all of the earth. Remember, the theme of Advent is that Christ has come and is coming again. And we, like the people of old, must prepare our hearts for the Advent of Christ. What I want to show you in our time together this evening is that God's answer to the problem of evil is found in the messenger of the covenant. God's answer to the problem of evil is found in the messenger of the covenant. That is the advent of Christ. Did you notice as we were reading this the mentions of fire? A refiner's fire. A consuming fire. These are our points this evening the refiner's fire, and the judgment's fire. So let's look first at the refiner's fire. We see that the people are crying out, verse 17, where is the God of justice? And the justice of God is a huge theme in the Old Testament. Oh, the Bible overwhelmingly teaches that God is just. Over a hundred times God is said to be the God of justice. Remember, Even in our Heidelberg Catechism, question 11 says, His justice requires that sin committed against the majesty of God be punished with the most severe, everlasting punishment of body and soul. But maybe you have asked the question, if that is who God is, if He is a God of justice, a God of grace, a God of goodness, what is with all the evil of this world? Why does he not intervene? Why do the wicked have so many blessings? Is he going to help me? Where is the God of justice? Ian Duguid points out that the first word of chapter 3, look there if you will with me, behold can literally be translated as here I am. Where is the God of justice? Here I am, says the Lord. The God of justice is present with them even though Israel was suffering in that day. They are not alone. God has not forgotten them. Evil has not yet won the day. God is present and He is ready to act. Christian, hear this this evening. God will intervene. He will help. And how does God help? He gives them the greatest gift the world has ever received. The gift of Christ. Behold, I will send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. Boys and girls, in ancient times, kings often sent before them messengers who would go ahead of the king informing their subjects of his soon coming stately visit. The messengers would go into the towns and the cities and they would cry out, prepare the way for the king. Make his paths straight. The people would start to get ready. They would remove the cart or the garbage from the road. We know that they would even level out those potholes that were in the road. And wouldn't we love that here in the state of Michigan? 
If you saw the messenger, that meant that the king was not far behind. You had to get ready. And even though Malachi's name in Hebrew literally means my messenger, he's not the messenger that God is talking about. Even though angels in the Greek can be interpreted as my messengers, those aren't the messengers that the Lord is prophesying of. If you flip with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11, our Lord actually makes it clear who this passage is about. Matthew 11, verse 10. Matthew 11, verse 10, our Lord says, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. This messenger is the sign that God will intervene. He is the sign that God has heard their plight. He is the sign that God is coming. He is the here I am, if you will. The God of justice is in your midst. Of course, the preparations that John is calling for is not the preparations of roads, the removal of barriers, but the dominant theme of his ministry is to make ready your heart. If you could summarize John's ministry in one word, it would be repent. And remember, congregation, this Advent season, that Advent historically was not about a calendar. Advent was not about gifts or even Christmas trees and candles. The church, historically in Advent, saw it as a period of preparation. Advent was a period of waiting where the people of God were encouraged to prepare their hearts again for the coming of Christ. That is the message of the messenger. Of all the things you have to prepare for this Advent season, the Christmas parties, the wrapping of gifts, whatever else they, there might be, John tells us the most important thing you need to prepare for to prepare your hearts for the coming of Christ. And so the messenger proclaimed, Behold, the God of justice is coming. And as I say, if you were to see the messenger, you knew that the king wasn't far behind. The question becomes, when would the king arrive? Would we be able to make level the paths of the Lord? Would we be able, have enough time to get things prepared? And I want to ask you this evening, are our hearts ready for the King's advent? See, the prophet answers this with these words in verse 2. Who can endure the day of His coming? And who can stand when He appears? That word endure implies a review of your work. 
the word stand implies that we will have to stand and make an appearance before this king who is coming. And this king will scrutinize and judge and the implied answer to the question is that no, we will not be able to give a successful defense. This reminds me of the words of the psalmist in Psalm 130. O Lord, if you should mark iniquities, who could stand? And the prophet says, God is coming. The God of justice will be here. But notice where he's coming. He's coming to Israel first. Judah has to make their path straight. Israel has to prepare the way of the Lord. Malachi says, the God of justice is coming to the temple, the sons of Levi, to Judah and Jerusalem. That before they can deal with the injustice of this world, God must first deal with the injustice in them. Judgment begins at the house of God, says Peter. But why do we celebrate Advent? Because the God of justice comes to us in Christ. And He does not declare judgment, judgment. The God of justice comes to us and proclaims peace. Peace. He extends mercy to the undeserving. And as Malachi says, behold, look at verse 1, I will send my messenger, he will prepare the way, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly appear in the temple. This is what we read of in Luke chapter 2, when Simeon is waiting for the consolation of Israel, and in comes Jesus, the incarnate God wrapped in human flesh, and he scoops up that child into his arms, and he says, salvation has come. Not judgment, not wrath, but peace has come. The angel's song is that God has laid down his arms, so to speak, and has good will towards us. Now you probably noticed in Malachi 2, excuse me, this third, fourth speech of Malachi, that the prophet speaks of my messenger, and then in the next sentence he speaks of a messenger of the covenant. What I want to draw out to you here is that those are two different people. Malachi has moved on from John the Baptist and is saying a messenger of the covenant will come. What's the difference between the two? T.V. Moore, a commentator, says it this way, the term covenant refers to the deeper inward relation which he has with his people. It refers to a great purpose and the plan of redemption. John the Baptist led the way, but Christ is God's plan of redemption. And notice what he has come to do. The God of justice comes to Israel not to destroy, but to purify. Those terms, refiner's fire and fuller's soap, 
speak not of destruction, but of purification. Soap, of course, in our modern conception, had not been invented yet. But the fuller's soap is referring to how launderers in that time would use a chemical extracted from plants to remove stains. The refiner's fire is a metaphor from metalworking and the purifying of metals. And it's to that one that Malachi focuses on. You see that in verse 3. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. What I've come to learn in my week of studies is that refining a metal in the ancient world was a long and painstaking process. In fact, even that word sit seems to indicate that they'd have to sit there for a while. That they would peer into the furnace to see the impurities burned away. One commentator even points out gold is a soft metal which is easy to refine Silver is remarkably harder. When God refines you and me, it's no easy job. What Malachi is saying is that the king who is to come will be patient. The king who is to come will work through fiery trials. The king who is to come will take whatever actions are necessary to make his people acceptable before him. Beloved, this is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 5, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. That in Christ's first advent, And in the shedding of his blood, he removes every impurity from his people, like the refiner's fire. He washes away stains from a garment, and he can make you holy. Not perfect, not yet. None of us are perfect, but he sets us apart for him. Notice what it says that after those people who have embraced the messenger of the covenant, who prepare their hearts for the Lord, notice what it says, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord, and the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord. This is God's answer to the problem of evil. That in Christ's advent, it is an advent of grace. that the God of justice would lay His life down so that His people would be sweet and satisfying to Him. That in Christ, God is both the God of justice and the justifier of the ungodly. Doesn't the prophet here help us understand where to put our perspective in times of trial? When you are suffering in the fiery furnace, it is not that God has abandoned you. But this passage tells us that God continues to work on you. He is purifying and cleansing us in the trial. 
Look, I don't claim to know much about metal working, but the idea is you put the metal in extreme heat to purify it. And so God, at times, may put us in the refiner's fire, in the trials of life, in the challenges that you and I face. Look at Malachi 3, verse 2. Who is the fire? It says, He is like a refiner's fire. God is the fire. But this is a comfort for us because our good God is in control. He is carefully watching you. And when you are pure, and when you are cleansed, He will preserve and enhance you. That's the refiner's fire. Let's look now at the judgment's fire. See, the fire that the messenger of the covenant will bring is not only the fire of purification, but we see it's also the fire of judgment. Look at verse 6. It's talking about being consumed. All those sinners mentioned will be consumed. So much so that Dr. Poitras notes that in the Old Testament, fire can symbolize either purification or destruction. And those two sides are not incompatible since purification is the destruction of impurities. So Jesus comes as a babe. When Jesus comes as a babe, the Lamb of God bringing salvation he is also bringing the judgment, we are told. See, Advent is supposed to remind us of both, of both Christ's first and His second coming. And so Malachi, we see in the rest of this passage, turns from the coming of the King to the reality that their present condition of their hearts might not, in fact, be ready for Him. That the God who loves sinners is also the God who hates sin. And it's a reminder that the babe who is in the manger at Bethlehem came to save, but he has also come to destroy evil. Look at verse 5. I will draw near to you in judgment. And in that refining process, that dross, the impurities need to be removed. Now it's important that we notice here that this fire extends to all kinds of sin and extends to all kinds of people. Notice the list mentioned here, I will be swift, I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust the side of the uh, sojourner and do not fear me. It's a whole litany of sins. And the point here is that God sees them all. And he is a witness to them all. And all kinds of people. He says, that he sees even those who go up to the tents of Jacob. The children of Jacob he sees. Now we might be tempted this evening to say, well, it's a good thing I'm not a sorcerer. It's a good thing I haven't been unfaithful to my wife. I don't abuse people. I try to help them. I'm ready for judgment. I can stand before the Lord. But remember who God is calling to account. As I just said, Levi temple, Judah, Jerusalem. He is saying that all people have sinned and God can see every single one of them. And it's true of us. We may not be a witch with voodoo dolls 
But we have all been tempted to use God's name as a talisman to attach it to certain things so that we might get what we want. We might not be an adulterer, but we have all lusted in our hearts. We have all said bad words, not loved our neighbors as ourselves. Truly does Paul say, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Or as Isaiah says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Behold, the judge of the earth is coming. The messenger of justice is on his way. To put it in a modern frame of mind, the flashing lights are in your mirror. What will you do? Is there any way for us to endure this fire? And surprisingly, the answer is yes. In Christ's fiery judgment, there will be some, verse 3, who emerge as refined gold and silver. Just like how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go into the fires of judgment, but there is a fourth one in there, and they come out unsinged from the flame. So can we stand before the judgment of God with the fourth member, with the third member of the Trinity, God Almighty who comes to you today. We are not singed because God is faithful to send His covenant messenger. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Remember, we've encountered Jacob in the book of Malachi already. If you flip back to chapter 1, verse 2, we read where God says, Jacob, I have loved. This refers to God's chosen people. His people chosen in grace. His church. Now, not to reflect on it too much, since it is my namesake, but remember that Jacob was a pretty rotten guy. He wasn't chosen for his own faithfulness, his goodness, or his love. He was the deceiver who tried to steal the blessing rather than receive it by faith. But God has not changed. He will still save him despite his sin. That's what Malachi is saying in chapter 3, verse 6. Despite Jacob's sin, God saved him. The same assurance is given to us today. Every one of us has turned aside. Every one of us has gone our own way. But yet, God's saving purpose is secure because of His faithfulness to His covenant. God does not save because we are good. God saves because He is great. Because He is loving. And He is gracious. In Jesus, God came down to be with us for our salvation. And at the cross, does not Christ take the fires of God's judgment upon Himself? The only way for us to have salvation and be purified of the dross and the impurities was that He endured the wrath of God for you and for me. When we cry out, where is the God of justice? God answers us at the cross. Here I am. 
Christ has taken it. And because of His sacrifice, He looks at us and He does not see a sorcerer or an adulterer. He does not see what we are by nature, but those who are clothed in the purity of Jesus Christ. A church refined, but not consumed. Hallelujah. See, the messenger of the covenant has come once to us in grace. But there must be a second advent. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is coming again. And the best gift you can receive this Christmas is the gift of faith in Him that you might be spared that judgment and be made perfect before Him. I cannot conclude this evening without asking you the question that John the Baptist asked Israel. Are you prepared? Have you made your heart ready to meet this Christ? Know that the only prerequisite is that you recognize that you're a sinner and that you would look to Him for grace. If you do that, the Scriptures assure us that we will be purified, we will be cleansed, we will be washed, refined, and never consumed. And so in conclusion, we learn that the messenger of the covenant has come. He is coming again. He has come to answer the problem of evil. In His advent, He shows us that God is both the one who condemns evil, especially in the cross, and embraces sinners like you and like me. One day soon He will come and He will purify this whole world of its sin so that those who in faith look forward to that day can say with joy at the manger and with joy at His appearing, Hallelujah. Refined. Not consumed. This Advent season, may we rejoice in the Christ who has come yesterday. Look forward in faith to the Christ who comes tomorrow. The Spirit and the Bride say come. Yea, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to come to your word. And we have heard of the messenger of the covenant. The one who has come to us with redemption full and free. Who has come to us in love who has come to us as a refiner, a purifier. But Father, we also recognize that one day we will stand before Him again. And that fire will be involved a second time. Father, we ask that You would open up our hearts this evening. That we might receive the messenger of the covenant. That we might stand in that day of judgment clothed in the blood of Christ. That we might say, yes, we are refined, but we shall never be consumed in him who has loved us and given himself for us. We thank you for his message. We thank you for his love. We thank you for his advent. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.